Welcome to more CSU. I'm your host, Jahan Colberth. I'm the Vice President of Institutional Advancement, and I'd like to say welcome to our audience to our podcast. Our guests today are Dr. Fami Abushi and the 2020 Central State Fulbright Scholars. Dr. Abushi is the advisor of the Fulbright Program at Central State University, as well as the director of our Center for Global Education. So welcome, everyone. And I think we'll go around the room and do some brief introductions. Hello all, my name is Maria, I'm from Russia, St. Petersburg, and I'm teaching Russian here. Hello, ni hao. I'm Kelly from Taiwan, and I teach Chinese here. Hello everyone, this is Dr. Abushi, the director of the Center for Global Education and the supervisor of our Fulbright Scholars here in campus. Thank you, Dr. Abushi. Hello, my name is Maria. I'm from Tunisia, and I teach Arabic. Okay, well, welcome. Dr. Abushi, before we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. All right. So I'm originally from Palestine, came to this country more than 30 years ago, and I got my Ph.D. at the University of Dayton. So I worked as a full-time instructor at the different universities in New Jersey most of the time. And then I always wanted to come back to Dayton, Ohio, because I consider that my hometown and my folks all live here. So when there was a job for the Center for Global Education, I applied and I was lucky to get the interviews and offer the job. And that was five years ago. It will be five years this April. Well, welcome back to the Miami Valley. Always good to return home. So Dr. Abushi, I understand that Central State University has been recognized by the Fulbright program. You wanna share a little bit about that? Yeah, and this is very exciting news. Only 19 HBCU out of the 106 HBCUs in the country, 19 institutions were awarded the Institutional Leader Award by Fulbright and the representative of the university. And I believe Madam President said she would like to attend that meeting in Washington, D.C., where the award is going to be presented by Fulbright and by the representative from the State Department, actually. And so we are very excited about this to be among those 19 institutions. Oh, that's fantastic. Is this the first time that the university has been recognized? This is the first time we are. Oh, very good. So, Dr. Bushi, what is a Fulbright Scholar? All right. So, the Fulbright program, there are many different programs, but they all initiated by Senator Fulbright. That's why it's called Fulbright Programs. And the foreign language programs is part of that. And every year, Fulbright finance bringing about 400 persons from different countries in the world, almost 140 countries, and they come here for a full year teaching their native language. So we started our Fulbright programs applying for those instructors since 2012. So it's been eight years now. But in the last couple of years, we expanded and we now have three languages instead of only one. When we started, we started with Arabic and then we added the Chinese language. And the last two years, we added the Russian language. 
So they come here, they teach a class, let's say Arabic 1 and then Arabic 2 in the spring. And then also they take classes with us, two classes. One of them is the American history. That's a mandatory one. They do it in the fall semester, and then they can choose whatever classes they want in the spring semester. So this is our first year of actually having three Fulbright students. This is our second year. Second year. Okay. Very good. Are you all enjoying your year here so far? Yes, certainly. This is Maria speaking, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> we are very lucky to have each other, first of all, because I think we're just all great people. We communicate really well. And people here, the staff here is very friendly. Everybody, all our colleagues, and we are really enjoying it. Good. What are some of the challenges that you all have faced? In the beginning, our challenge is <laughs> we didn't have a car. So if we want to go somewhere, for example, if we want to go to Walmart, we need to ask Dr. Abushi. Okay. <laughs> so he is our helper always. So we really appreciate him. And what's your challenge, Mariam? I don't think I had challenges. Like, I have you. I have Dr. Abushi and the staff here. I feel like I'm in my own family. So, yeah, I'm fine. Good. <laughs> so how's the teaching coming with the students? Any one of you can answer that. Well, of course, it's very challenging from the beginning because we never taught our native languages before. So we had some experience of teaching English, which is, I believe, much easier. And uh, there is there are much more materials how to teach English. So for all of us, it was the first time we were actually teaching our native languages. And of course, it's a challenge. And of course, there are huge groups. So we never, I think we never taught languages to such huge groups. Also, I have 16 students. Miriam has 20, 20 something. Kelly, how many students do you have? I now this semester, I have 22 of them. But for my challenges, Actually, I taught Chinese when I was in Taiwan, but the difference is the Chinese teacher, they already know how to speak in Chinese, but here it's like they don't know anything about Chinese. So I need to teach from very beginning and also our culture are very different. So for me, I always need to adjust my way to teach them. So when you all kind of come back home in the evening sometimes and you share about your day, there's unique things about each one of your language. So do you talk about what some of the struggles are or some of the, the things that are a little easier for the students to grasp or grab a hold of with each one of your language? And do you find that in talking amongst yourselves, which language is harder to learn, do you think? I think it's Chinese. Okay, okay. <laughs> yes, I, I can give you some examples. So I teach... This is my second semester, but we are still in doing the tones. So in Chinese, different tones will have a different meaning. So I can give you an example. If we say ma, 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 ma. Actually, it's Am I supposed, to, re am I supposed is, to repeat that? <laughs> if you want to. Try to understand. Ma, 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 ma. No, that's the same tone. Okay. So <laughs> if you have a different tone, that will become different meanings. So until this, until now, we are still correcting the tones. That's really hard for them. I would like to add that all of the languages that we are teaching, they all have a different system of writing. So it's like the Arabic what is it called? Arabic cursive. Okay, there is 
there are Russian letters, the Kyrillics, which is also different from English letters. And Chinese characters, I believe, are completely different from everything that students saw before. So they are still struggling with how to read some symbols because they are not used to them. What's the importance of what you do here for the students in teaching them your native language? What's important about that? I think we're sharing our cultures. It's like they're talking about their American culture. I'm talking about my Tunisian culture, my Arabic culture in general. And it's nice to share. Anyone else? I would like to add to that, saying that at Central State, one of our mission is to globalize our campus and to expose our students to international cultures, so on and so forth. So the Center for Global Education does quite a few things to do that. So having Fulbright scholars coming in will give our students the chance, the opportunity to learn foreign languages and also interact with native people from that country. So. Aside from teaching the classes, those three scholars here, they participate in our annual International Education Week where they have their own lectures, uh, whether it's about music, dance, food, and so on and so forth. So it is part of our university mission to globalize our campus, and we also help our students with studying abroad, our faculty programs. So all that together help uh, achieving our mission. I feel like we are more introduced to our culture. So last week, I just introduced them about Chinese New Year. After I finished my class, one of the students, she stood up, she said, I want to study abroad. I want to study in Taiwan. So she was going to Dr. Abushi there to ask about, does she study in Taiwan? So I think this is very good for them because they want to know more about their own culture. They, they want to know more about other countries. So how do you feel that this program, that you're going to grow from this program also? I have the answer for this because uh, I believe that we all are becoming, I would say, more open-minded. First of all, we are becoming stronger or, of course, we are, we are becoming more self-confident because we meet different situations just... Well, first of all, just living in a big house altogether, it is <laughs> it is a big change for all of us. And communicating with different people, finding a way to understand each other, that's very important. And, of course, the teacher experience, it makes us better professionals. What are you learning about Central State? I feel like the thing we are learning is about how to adjust myself to this school because students are all different, very different from my country. So I need to always find a way to help them to get a goal. So if our goal is to help them to understand more about Chinese culture, more about others' country culture, so we just set a goal there, we can discuss with them how we do that, how we reshape that. But in Taiwan, I was trying to fix the question by myself, but here I, I was, I'm learning, actually I can, I can ask the help also from my students. So to go back to being a Fulbright scholar, how did you get into the program and how did Central State come up for this is home for you now and joining kind of the Central State family? Well, the process was long. First of all, the first, I believe that the first interview was like in 2018 in November. So we went to the U.S. Embassy in Tunisia. And then after that, we had another interview, which is call phone. 
So you have to speak in standard Arabic because standard Arabic and Tunisian dialect are not the same. <laughs> yeah, I believe that a lot of people don't understand me while I talk the Tunisian dialect. Then we had a Skype interview. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's based on just like the standard Arabic language for 30 minutes. Yeah, you need to talk about grammar, how you are going to explain that to your students. Uh, if you're, for example, living in a remote place, how are you going to, like, yeah. <laughs> so how do you select, does Central State get selected for you? Or do you apply for me? For me, yes. Okay. For me, yes. I didn't select anything. Okay. So, Dr. Bushi, my question is, you have to submit some sort of paperwork, I'm sure, to say we're looking for these particular positions in these languages. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So it's actually, this is the time of the year where we file that application online, mm -hmm. all right? And then we, we state which languages we want, and we always say we want three instructions in these three languages. And then a few weeks later, we get five candidates for each language. And we study those, me and with the Department of Humanities and my colleague in my office, we go over them and we have to rank them from one to five. One, the first person we would like to have, and five, and we submit them. And then those students also, those candidates, probably they, they, their names and files are sent to another universities. So if let's say Maryam is number two on my list, and then she is number one at another university, she may go there. So it's so it do, not always you get the way you rank them, but you always get someone from there. So do you have a choice with that particular school when it's in this process of choosing between one or two different schools? Well, for me, not. For my fellow Fulbrighters from Tunisia, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But and I think you had something to add? I think uh, that the process of selecting candidates is different in each country, okay. uh, in each region. So, well, maybe depending on how different the cultures are, depending on how many candidates there are, how long the program exists in a certain country. So I can say that in Russia also the whole selection process, it took about a year. So it was, I think, May 20, May 2018 uh, when I first applied for the program. And uh, what I remember that there was a lot of paperwork. Mm -hmm. So I had to find, had to write some essays. Also, I passed the interview, then fill in documents, of course, like for the insurance, the medical documents and everything and everything. So we can agree that it's it's a long, tedious process. Little 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 nerve wracking. Is that fair? Yes, of course. It's uh, it is. It takes a lot of nerves, especially the paperwork for me. So like meeting people is not that stressful as paperwork. And at the end, when you already know that you are in the list of candidates, in the list of people who are going to the United States, they sent us five universities to each of us. So we also had to rank them and put like number one, number two, number three. And they are different, uh, they are different things that are important for people. So it's not only geography, but it's also, for me, for example, it was Spanish language because I wanted to continue learning Spanish and uh, I was looking for a university that offers Spanish. 
So as Dr. Abushi and his staff are reviewing candidates, you all are also reviewing the universities and ranking them. Do you feel that, and I'm going to ask the same question to Dr. Bushi and the scholars, and I'll start with the scholars. Do you feel that we're at the halfway point right now in the school year? Do you feel like a year is long enough? Do you think that's enough time? Would you like to see two years? or Now, for example, for the Arabic language, a year is not enough. It's like for here, working with beginners, so you start from scratch. For me... A year, of course, is not enough, but we need to think about others. So they, they might, a lot of full writers, they want to come to the United States. So I'm very satisfied I already got the chance. So if this is the time, I just follow the rule. And I really appreciate Dr. Abushi because after I knew the result, I was getting here and I checked from the Google Map and I was like, where is it? Xenia? Mm, where? <laughs> but after we met Dr. Abushi, I was so appreciated because he's very nice and he's yeah. always welcome us. And he even picked up us in the airport. We're lucky to have him and Maria Potter too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to add that it's very important that we have people who support us here, our colleagues and our friends, because for all of us, it is a challenge, of course, to be separated from our families, from our friends. And that's why, well, maybe a year is not, of course, one year is not enough to teach students language, but it's just enough time to, to get acquainted to it, like to learn some basic concepts. But at the same time, it's good that the program is just one year, so we can, we can come back. And Dr. Bushi, how do you feel about it just being a year? From my experience, many of the students, they have very positive experience. They would like to continue if they can, but the regulation of the Fulbright, they have to be here for a year, and then they have to go and serve two years in their home country because oh, of this scholarship. Oh, okay. So after that, some of them, they do opt to go for graduate schools somewheres, and they can get a waiver if they enrolled in a program, but they still have to go back home and serve those two years there. I can explain why there is such a requirement, because the main goal of uh, all the Fulbright programs is to share cultures and uh, to build bridges between different countries, nations, and communities. So while we are here in the United States, we're learning a lot about American culture and about people here. So then we come back home and we will continue working for this international global community because we will tell people in our home countries about the United States, about our experience here, and we will encourage them also to learn English language, to travel, to apply for Fulbright program. And encourage other students to attend Central State University, right? <laughs> yeah, why not? I'm encouraging, in fact, my students to apply for the Fulbright program. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, they may teach English like in Arab countries, for example, in Russia and China. What are your plans after the program is done? So what I'm hearing is you do a year abroad for you, and then you go back to your homes and you do two years, and that's part of the program. What are some of the next things after the program is complete? So after I back to Taiwan, I, I was a teacher in Taiwan. So 
if I back to Taiwan, I will back to original school, the one I come from, because the school where I taught is really remote. So most of people, they don't have a experience to come to United States. It's really far for us. So I really appreciate that I can know this country more so I can breathe in more and show them this is opportunity. If you want to, you can get there. But at first, you need to learn language first. So I will back to my school and teach English. I think I will continue working as a teacher, but even if I decide to change that, because, well, it is recommended sometimes to change your field where you work, because, again, there is there is some routine. So at some at some moment, you understand that you are, like reached your ceiling, you reached, reached the top, and you want a challenge, and you want to change something. So... I'm not sure that I'm going to return to the same company that I worked for before. And maybe I will go to another company. Maybe I will teach business English, for example, or become an interpreter at uh, negotiations, for example. So that also would be interesting. Well, for me, I'm not sure about teaching. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about applying for international organizations. Had you been thinking about teaching prior to this experience? Has this experience made you look in a different, little different direction? No, 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 no. It's not about that. But I want change. Okay. It's like I love changing everything in my life. I need to go for new experiences, see new people, know about other cultures. Oh, fantastic. Well, we're about done, so I'd like to give kind of open the floor up if there's anything that you all wish to share or Dr. Bushi want to add in anything about the program or some of the other things that you're doing. I can say that every year we get lucky that we get the best of the best. And the nice thing about our campus and our community is we don't just tell our foreign language instructor, this is your class, this is your students, but we involve them in every aspect of our campus life. And they become part of us. And I think that's the beauty of having different people from different cultures come to us and be part of our community. I think you're doing a fantastic job with everything. I've been watching what you've been doing over the years, and it's just been wonderful for the university and all of our students. So thank you for that. appreciate it. Well, thank you, Jahan. So ladies, do you have anything else you want to add? I really appreciate here everything in Central State, not only Dr. Abushi, all the staff and the faculty and all my students, because I, for me, it's not easy for last semester. But this semester, I feel like I do have the best. If you hear me, you are my best students. Oh, that, that's nice. You know, what? You, you, you know Mar Maria, I was told that you have an interesting surprise about your time here in America. An interesting story. I don't know. I, I talk a lot, usually. <laughs> <laughs> so this is not my usual day. <laughs> Today, I don't talk much. I think the most surprising thing here is nature. So besides besides friendly people, of course, there is nature and that we have uh, that you have a lot of animals here. And as we live in the house and we interact with this nature, so we can see the deer, we can hear coyotes. There is a squirrel living in the backyard. Okay. And you forgot about the water temples. <laughs> what? Uh, the water? Okay. The water towers. Ah, the water towers. Yes, oh, the amazing water towers. water towers. Yes. There's a lot in the state of Ohio. <laughs> I think every community has a water tower. I grew up in the Philadelphia area, and I, when I moved to Ohio, I saw nothing but water towers. And I mean, like, every community has a water tower, and their name is on it. 
Yes, and I think I want to add uh, to all of this that there are things like when you live in the same area, when you live in the same community, in the same culture, you don't notice some things that may surprise people from outside. And this is the great thing about traveling and about exploring the world because you never know what you're going to meet and what will surprise you and what will excite you. So also, I would like to tell everybody who's listening to us that it's really great and don't be afraid. There are challenges, but when you take a challenge, you become stronger and you'll learn more and your life becomes more bright and interesting. Well, listen, ladies, thank you so much, Dr. Bushi. We appreciate it. And I'm going to ask our audience to stay tuned for next episodes. There is more to CSU. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.